0: This is Peter Petro. You're listening to The Near Future, where you can prepare today for the creative marketplace of tomorrow. We are continuing our series of interview podcasts with top thought leaders. Today we have Dr. Eric Siegel, who is the author of Predictive Analytics, The Power to Predict Who Will Click, Buy, Lie, or Die. Eric is a former Columbia University professor, used to sing to his students, and he is very well versed in how big data, as it is usually termed, applies to the creative industries and what we can learn from it. Uh, We're going to kick off by allowing him to describe what exactly is predictive analytics.
1: Predictive analytics is technology that lets an organization learn from its data um, how to make predictions and there's sort of two levels to it. Uh, One is making music recommendations like Pandora does. Or similarly, analogous, analogously, Netflix makes movie recommendations. A reported 70% of movie choices on Netflix are based on what the system recommends. And those are based on predictions. Will you like this movie? If you watched it, would you give it a high rating? Similar, similarly, with music, Amazon does it for books. But more broadly, what this means is the main use of predictive analytics is to make predictions for individual people. So it's about, it, this is very much the analytical side. Um, And it basically, I would say that the creative side of art comes first, Um, but when you do this kind of analysis, it can help Um, very much so as far as not only serving to individuals uh, what type of of music or, or movie they would most like to see, but also actually in the development of your um, productions in the first place. So in addition to that sort of per-consumer level, the same technology, predictive analytics, can help determine whether to green-light a movie or which music would become a, a a top hit if released. House of
0: Cards is a great example of this. If you're a fan of the series, you may know that it was originally rejected by all of the major TV networks before being greenlighted by Netflix, who not only did not need a pilot, but also signed off on 26 episodes out of the box. Very, very unusual. Why did that happen? Well, when they were taking it to the networks, they still had David Fincher, director from The Social Network. They still had Kevin Spacey, very, very popular actor. And they still had the backing of the success of the original House of Cards in the UK. And none of those networks said yes, but Netflix did. That's arguably because Netflix had the data to back up that bet. They knew how many people had watched The Social Network from start to finish. They knew how many people watched Kevin Spacey movies and how they rated them. And they knew how many of their viewers actually watched the original UK version. So they were able to make an educated bet that actually translated into an enormously popular series. Okay, so let's say you're a creative purist and you don't want to be influenced by data that's telling you people would rather see a certain kind of film or they'd rather hear a certain kind of song you still have to take that product when it's done to a marketplace and ideally you're taking it to people who are most receptive to it and or people who would be most influenced by what you're presenting and you're also hopefully taking it to them in a way that they're receptive to so maybe certain kinds of marketing would be more effective for certain kinds of people than others and predictive analytics can help make that whole process a lot more efficient Uh, part of what Eric talks about in the book is derived from lessons learned during the Obama campaign in 2012.
1: Now a person may not necessarily feel open but they could be open so what matters is will the marketing help so the Obama you know a presidential campaign is a marketing campaign this applies to any organization that does marketing which is most companies obviously Um, and when you reach out to a customer uh, are you actually is it worth it is it worth spending the two dollars on a brochure or, or the phone call uh, or would that person buy your product anyway um, and uh, or likewise are there some customers where they'll actually be bothered and you're actually decreasing the chance that they'll vote for your candidate or buy your product so that's why this concept of influence or persuasion comes into play because instead of just predicting behavior predicting, if I contact them, will they buy? And words it's purchasing is the behavior you want to predict. You're taking it to the next step. You're predicting whether you'll influence them to do that behavior, to make the purchase. That is to say, you're asking, will they purchase if I contact them and not purchase otherwise?
0: This ability to be able to predict what kinds of marketing are most effective as well as what certain people prefer or are more receptive to can give you some surprising results. For example, let's say you've got a record label an indie label that has three artists and a certain fan loves artist A, listens to them all the time, has some music from artist B, but doesn't have all their music and artist C doesn't really care for them at all. Which one are you going to promote aggressively to that fan? Predictive analytics might ask you, well, how open to new music is that person? Do they love having a really, really eclectic playlist and different kinds of music every day? Or do they have a relatively conservative playlist and really just prefer to listen to the stuff they like most of the time? That's going to tell you whether they would be more receptive to more of the same, artist A, or something that's a little bit outside of their comfort zone, artist B. So it can give you some insights into different ways of of presenting your music more successfully. Another thing it can give you is some surprising correlations that you might not have expected. For example... If you have a friend who's flying into town tonight, if they ordered a vegetarian meal, most likely they did not miss their flight.
1: People who have indicated a vegetarian meal, turns out, um, these people have a much lower or significantly lower propensity to actually miss their flight. And you can interpret why um, one way or another. The data doesn't necessarily speak to why that's true. But if there is a relationship, a correlation, then it can be valuable to help make the prediction about the consumer's behavior.
0: The Echo Nest, which is what Spotify uses to help users discover new music, has actually done some interesting research on correlations between music interests and political leanings. Some of their research findings are surprising and some of them are not. Republicans seem to have less diverse music tastes than Democrats. Kenny Chesney fans are most likely to swing right, Rihanna fans left, and metal fans could actually save us from the two-party system. They are the least predictable of any genre to lean in a particular political direction. This kind of thinking can instill a lot of fear in certain people about overgeneralizing, creating certain kinds of categories in society, and sort of creating these leanings that put us in boxes. Eric seems to really disagree with that thought. Um, Chris Anderson's The Long Tail back in 2008 made a pretty good argument for how the digital economy actually helps make things more eclectic and helps support creative endeavors that are maybe a little bit left of center by helping to find homes for them.
1: You go down the curve, you've got all these artists who are neglected but extremely talented because they haven't found their audience. So if a system can make much better predictions about you, it could find these niche, these, these less popular songs, then in general would be a risk for any random consumer because... They're not uh, as universally appreciated by the consumers, but to find if you can find their audience by making the prediction, hey, I think Peter is likely to like this particular genre, this subgenre of music, then it's going to be actually be able to hand you this new uh, song that you had never might never have come across otherwise.
0: Privacy is of course a concern with any discussion on big data, and that applies even if you're trying to match an artist or a film with a fan.
1: There are people who watch certain movies that may indicate something about their personal life um, that they don't want necessarily people to know they even chose to watch the movie. And that does very much come up. In fact, that was one of the things that happened with the the Netflix contest I mentioned where they released a whole bunch of information about people's movie ratings. Um, And the fact is, even though the public data uh, was... Anonymous didn't have any people identifying characteristics. You could identify some of the people by looking at their IMDb movie ratings and say, look, this person rated all this, the same, almost the same exact set of movies. And now from this Netflix data, we know they also watched these other movies that they hadn't disclosed publicly. So there is all sorts of data can be very sensitive, and that's a real tough issue to resolve.
0: Nevertheless, Eric feels that this kind of data probably provides more good than harm.
1: The vast majority of this data is not sensitive. The vast majority of things being predicted and ways those predictions are used are not problematic. So, you know, we can't just sweepingly indict this technology. Um, uh, It is. It's a real tricky issue.
0: And Eric feels that this data that's created, as well as the predictive analytics behind it, are actually good for art, whether it's the next Hollywood blockbuster or an indie release, as long as it's used wisely.
1: Any kind of engineering and science improving efficiency does have some risk of, of sort of throttling the creative effort if it's sort of applied in a ham-fisted way. But in general, it's more a, a pro than a con. Um, you know, in this case, finding the, the audience for a project, for for a new movie or, or piece of music, um, or just getting the company to use its marketing dollars more effectively, just increasing resources and better use of resources. it, it sort of And, you know, enhances the infrastructure around that creative process. So I think it's really mostly a good thing.
0: Good or bad, data is here to stay. It has been called the new oil. And to put in perspective how much information we are actually generating right now, 90% of the information we've made throughout the history of the human race has been made in the last 24 months. So it will certainly impact everything you do, including what you do creatively. I encourage you to investigate and see how these things can be used to your advantage. Of course, it always comes back to the art, and Eric actually has developed a subgenre of his own that he uh, performs for his students at Columbia University.
1: Oh well, I you know like a lot of hopefully the listeners, um, I grew up on Schoolhouse Rock, um, and this this one day I heard about a guy at some high school sing to his math students with a guitar, and I said, I have to do that. Um, so I wrote songs like uh, a musical about the uh, about, about the benefit of breaking a problem into sub-problems, um, and, a, and a rock ballad about the angst of debugging your computer program. This this is when I was teaching intro uh, computer science type courses, that, but then I ended up, when I went to the grads courses in this uh, machine learning stuff, which is the academic term for predictive analytics Um, I did also start doing some there and even now in my current career as a consultant um, I have a wrap uh, that I do when I teach a seminar um, about predictive analytics. This introduction to induction functions to induce production of elimination of defection and total churn reduction. Computer loop, there it is, Snoop dog, Lucy Blitzes. You can teach old dogs new tricks, but it's the same old shticks. Charlie Brown kicks and misses, and he never learns. This tricky mix fixes risk and quickly picks not Netflix top hits that stick. No hiccups or mix-ups, and no money burns.
0: There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Eric Siegel on the mic. You can find more information on him and his books at PredictiveAnalyticsWorld.com. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast if you are interested in hearing further interviews with thought leaders like him. You can also find us online at ArtofMusicLA.com and on Twitter at Mandeville Canyon, M-A-N-D-E-V-I-L-L-E-C-Y-N. Thanks for listening. Till next time.